Good evening. When um, Pastor Paul talked about the extending the hand as a gesture to show you that there's nothing there, all I could think about is I grew up in Texas, and just because there's nothing in your hand doesn't mean you're not packing. Um, I've been here in West Michigan for about four years now. Uh, I moved to Holland, Michigan from Chicago. I uh, spent about 12 years in Chicago. Oh, yeah, a few Chicago people. Um, and I got to tell you, West Michigan, Holland in particular, is nothing like Chicago. <laughs> I have been here four years, and I have yet to find a place in Holland to get my dreadlocks done. <laughs> there is a word from the Lord, and it comes to us from the book of Isaiah. Hear these words from Isaiah chapter 9, starting with verse 1. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish, in the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, of them light was, on them light was shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given us. Authority rests on his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and evermore. For the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. The book of Isaiah, as I understand that you all have been spending a lot of time in Bible study and prayer and reflection and in, in your worship time going through the book of Isaiah. The interesting thing about the book of Isaiah is one of the major prophets, and Isaiah as a book is a pretty substantial book. It is a large book, and in it, Isaiah is doing a lot. The interesting thing about what Isaiah is doing over the course of the entire book of Isaiah is really quite simple. Isaiah is a prophet, and as a prophet, Isaiah has been called from the community to speak to the community, not to just 
prophesy about what's going to happen in the future, but actually to shine a light on what's happening in the present, what's going wrong, and what the consequences would be for all the wrong that's happening. So in doing this, what Isaiah does, if you read the entirety of the book, Isaiah goes, he takes several loops and curves and arcs. He, he talks about what's happening in the present moment, the oppression that's happening in their days. He then talks about the calamity to come. But after he talks about the calamity to come, he then gives them a word of comfort to remind them that even though calamity is coming, God is still on the throne. Not, he doesn't just stop there. He also tells them that because God is on the throne, God will restore them after this calamity. And God will bring them back into their right place. And then he does it over and over again. Part of the problem is, is that the people don't really get it. They don't really understand exactly what Isaiah is talking about. And so Isaiah does have to shed light on what's happening over and over and over again. But Isaiah is relentless, and he doesn't give up. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop in chapter 9. He doesn't stop in chapter 10. He doesn't stop in chapter 22. He keeps doing it over and over. By the time you get to 43, you recognize the pattern. You're doing wrong. Calamity is coming. God still loves you. God will restore you. He keeps doing it, and he will not stop. By the time you get to chapter 62, Isaiah says these words. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. Again, darkness and light. And Isaiah will not stop preaching. Isaiah is concerned about Jerusalem. He's concerned about Zion. He's concerned about the city of God. He's concerned about God's people. He's concerned because they are the people that he comes from. He recognizes what they're doing. He recognizes their wrongs because he is part of the society and he understands the law and he knows how far they have fallen from where they should be. And he will not stop. For Zion's sake. In ancient Israel, the city was a fortress. It was the place of God. It, Jerusalem was the holy city. It was the place where God dwelled among human, human beings. And Isaiah was a prophet speaking to that city. Isaiah was a prophet speaking to the city just as a prophet might speak today, just as someone might speak a challenging word to us today about our injustices, how we have fallen short, how we have failed to look after the widows, the orphans, the neglected. Let me talk a little bit about this darkness that he mentions. You know, we think the, the darkness as being about 
um, about sadness and about frustration. But the darkness that Isaiah is speaking about is the darkness of oppression. He's speaking about what it means for the least of these, what it means for those who are marginalized, for those who have been neglected and pushed aside to experience darkness. He's talking about oppression. Now, this is the thing about the oppression that Isaiah mentions and all of these things, these calamities, the the neglect of the widows, the neglect of the orphans, all of those things seem pretty extraordinary. In fact, if we think about our own context, much like the context of Isaiah, if we think about the history of this country, we have seen in this country some pretty extraordinary forms of oppression. Native Americans, genocide, African Americans, slavery, women denied the right to vote, What we have known in this country, what we have seen, if we just examine the history books, are some pretty extraordinary forms of oppression, much like the oppressions that Isaiah talked about. But let me ask you this. Were those oppressions really that extraordinary? Or were they pretty ordinary? In that day, it was pretty ordinary to think that Native Americans were savages. That was just ordinary thinking. During slavery, it was perfectly ordinary to think that slavery was right. No one thought it was that extraordinary at all. Denying women the right to vote? That was just the ordinary way of life for millions of people. The reality is, is that if we think about oppression, if we think about the kind of darkness that that Isaiah talked about and the kind of darkness that we've seen in our context throughout centuries and throughout history, the things that we now recognize as extraordinary oppression were actually pretty ordinary. It's just that people didn't see it that way. This is why Isaiah would not stop. Because he could look into the fabric of society. He can look in between the crevices of an ordinary functioning society and he could see the conditions of oppression just as clear as day. I wonder if we can see it. I wonder if we can examine our ordinary lives, if we can look across this state, across this country, across the globe, and ask ourselves, where are the ordinary forms of oppression? Where is it that people are living in darkness? 
Where is it that people are marginalized? Where is it that the ordinary practices that we engage in actually contribute to the oppression of other people? Where do we get our food? Who produces our food? The refugees, where are they? They're not in here. What are their lives like? This is a challenging word for us. It is a challenging word for us because it bids us to look into places that we don't normally look. It it encourages us to think about those people who are living in darkness and a darkness that we ourselves are sometimes implicated in. Martin Luther King Jr., one of the leaders of the civil rights movement, during the 60s, King marched and stood up for civil rights in this country during a time when it was perfectly ordinary to segregate people by race. And like Isaiah, King would not be silent. He intentionally showed this country the dark places that it didn't want to see. The other reason that Isaiah is so relentless is because he's speaking to people who he knows have a heart for God. And if he could just speak to their hearts, if he could speak to that place where God dwells inside of them and awaken them, and get them to see the darkness of oppression all around them, then they might repent, they might do differently, they might engage in the work of restoring the fabric of society to the just and righteous place that God desires it to be. You know, the interesting thing about Dr. King is that he was a pretty extraordinary person, right? Wouldn't most of you say that? But when Dr. King marched, particularly when he led the march on Washington and spoke to some 250,000 people, it was King at the microphone, but out there was ordinary people. Ordinary people like you, ordinary people like me, who heard the voice of the prophet and who understood that it was their time. It was their time to deal with the darkness, to confront the ordinary oppressions that are all too easy to forget. The reality is, is that, yes, we live in a time where ordinary oppression is a part of the fabric of our lives. There is darkness for many people 
And sometimes there is darkness for us. But Isaiah reminds us that it is not the darkness that has the final word. Isaiah reminds us that the darkness does not triumph over the light. He says these words, For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continuously, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. Emmanuel. God is with us. And as God is with us, so is the light with us. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. My brothers and my sisters, we have to face the reality that, yes, in our day and time, there still exists ordinary oppressions, the oppressions of sexism, racism, the oppressions of human trafficking, all of those things seem like extraordinary problems. But it only takes ordinary people who believe in an extraordinary God to banish the darkness and restore the light. Amen.